why do we want to know about heaven? <laughs> That's where we're going. Why do we want to know about heaven on earth? That's what's coming. <laughs> Very good. And friends, this is what is, I'm, I'm, my goal is to pull you into this mentality tonight. Of shifting us from the idea of us going to heaven, but rather heaven coming to earth. And friends, the, the heavenly realms, the spiritual realms, the environment where God, it says he lives in the highest of the highest of the heavens and the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him. Heaven is his, is his throne. Earth is his footstool. But friends, the city is coming down on this earth forever. But why do we talk about these things? Why do we talk about eternity? It gives us context for how we live our lives right now. You know, for some, it's easy to get caught up in, in futuristic ideas and theories about the second coming and revelation, everything like that. But, but, but the purpose of this study and the purpose of this revelation is to impact our now. When we start getting a grasp of eternity, it affects how we spend our time. It affects how we spend our money. It affects how long we're going to hold a fence towards somebody. And it gives us context for trouble and suffering and pain. Jeremy just read from the stage. What we're experiencing in this world is producing an eternal weight of glory. There is a reward. Don't quit. <laughs> we're in an 80-year internship. And the decisions that we make in this short little blip of time and what we call eternity will affect our forever. And that's good news. It's sobering too, <laughs> but it's good news. I have had internet printer electronic trouble today. I mean, like the great tribulation has hit. <laughs> so I'm reading from my computer, which I don't think I've ever done up here, but here I am. So <laughs> Jeremy loves it. I think it blocks what I'm wearing, so it kind of bothers me. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> and this is just my earthly body. <laughs> Sweet time of my glory. I think I'm joking. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Jesus um, <laughs> and heaven on earth. Go ahead and turn to Revelation 20. We'll need it in just a moment. But, so, just a little reminder of what we talked about over the past few weeks. Um, Jesus is coming back. 
just to let you know. And a lot of positive and a lot of negative things are going to be preceding that return. Friends, things are going to get really good. Things are also going to get really bad. Because righteousness and wickedness are ripening at the same time. And when that harvest comes, they will be manifest in their fullness. And so we want to be prepared for both extremes. We talked a lot about the signs and the places to be watching. We talked last week about the Antichrist and the harlot Babylon, a city-based religious and economic network that will spread corruption, will spread immorality, and will spread demonic worship and idolatry all across the nations. And it will be judged by God. And those who align with it will be judged by God. So, but today we get to talk about the good news. <laughs> Actually, judgment of evil is good news. Because it is putting a stop to oppression. And is releasing righteousness. So, Jesus... He's coming back. He is coming across the sky. He's going to rapture the saints. He's going to take us up into heaven. And you've all heard me say that I am very strongly convinced that it will happen after the trouble. That we will be in the midst of this. And that we will be closely participating with God in his strategy and in his end time plan to transition the earth for the age to come. So he's coming across the sky, but he's also going to make a procession through the land. He's going to touch, but he's going to touch down somewhere. And he's releasing the bold judgments on the Antichrist worshipers, and he's marching into Jerusalem for war. And the Antichrist and the kings of the earth will be present at Jerusalem to fight Jesus and the armies of heaven. And so the stage three, stage one across the sky, stage two through the land, stage three into Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Time is short, so I'm not going to read through this passage, but please read this at home and meditate on it. Revelation 19, we see heaven opened up, And we see Jesus on his white horse, eyes blazing with fire, a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, and in righteousness and justice he wages war. And he will win. The Lord is gathering all the nations that oppose him. and And when I say oppose him, I don't mean just they decided not to accept Jesus, but they're kind of decent human beings. I'm talking about violence, oppression, witchcraft, thievery, and immorality at levels beyond control. That would be unjust if God did nothing. And that's the context we have to have when we look at the severity of this war that Jesus is waging. But he enters Jerusalem and he wins the war. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be cast alive into a lake of fire. And all the Antichrist worshipers will be executed. 
So John is seeing this happen in Revelation 19, and he begins to see this series of visions about what's going to happen after that war is over, which takes us into Revelation 20. Let's read it. Revelation 20. Please read Revelation 19. It's so good. I'm going to actually start in a little bit of 20 just to give us context because we have to read Revelation 20 in the context of Revelation 19 or else a lot of funny things are happening in how you interpret the passage. But anyway, so Jesus has already marched through verse 20 of chapter 19. It says, Then the beast was captured, the Antichrist, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. Your Bible has a little chapter break there. But I want you to read this. All is one, one, one paragraph, is one passage. The rest were killed by the sword. All the birds were filled with their flesh. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He took hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Why is that? We'll get to it. Okay, so Jesus, he is, um, he's waged this war, and he is starting to set up his governmental reign on the earth, which will involve the binding of Satan for 1,000 years. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But Jesus, what he's doing is he's setting up his kingdom on earth in a period of unprecedented blessing. That all of the resources and power of heaven are going to be released into the natural realm. Human life will be restored. Economy will be restored. Society will be restored. Geography will be restored. Friends, during this tribulation, we're going to see an earthquake that causes every mountain to run away (laughs) and every island to disappear. We're going to see 100-pound hailstones come down from heaven. But Jesus is going to restore every single thing. He will establish righteousness and prosperity. He'll restore agriculture, the atmosphere, animal life, all of these things to the conditions to what we saw in the Garden of Eden. Yay, even more. (laughs) My King James language going on. (laughs) Hawaii. (laughs) Even more. Um. The kings of the earth are going to be saved. They're going to worship Jesus. And the governments of the earth are going to base themselves on the word of God. 
And I mean, yes, the written word of God, but I mean on the instructions coming out of the very mouth of Jesus. Isaiah prophesied, and he said about Jerusalem, the the law, the instruction will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And that is literal. Jesus will set up his government in Jerusalem and all the nations will flow into this city and they will be taught by Jesus on how to run their government. And all Israel will be saved. So this millennium, some of you may have heard that term before. Millennium is a term that speaks of this 1,000-year period that I'm telling you about. And it's, it's where Jesus is ruling the earth from Jerusalem. He will set up his throne in that city, literally. The word millennium comes from mile, which means a thousand, and annus, which means year, 1,000 years. Pretty simple. But the book of Revelation, if you will continue to read through chapter 20, you will see six times that it refers to this 1,000-year period of time. This is a literal time frame. So this, what I'm about to share with you now, is very key to understanding everything that happens during that millennium, I believe, is that when Jesus comes back, he splits the sky, he raptures the saints, he wages war, he starts setting up this kingdom, three people groups will be on the earth. And I've taken this acronym from Mike Bickle, so I think it's really good. There will be the redeemed. There will be born-again believers that have the seal and the mark of the Father on them. That will, by the way, protect them during this time. Um, And they will be raptured at the coming of Jesus. The second group of people are the reprobate. These are the Antichrist worshipers. They are the ones that have taken the mark of the beast. And when Jesus uh, returns, he will kill every one of them. Um, Be kind of intense. But um, they are are Satan worshipers. They they don't want to repent. They've been given numerous opportunities. In fact, as you read Revelation, you see these 21 judgments. Remember these seals, seals, trumpets, and bowls poured out you'll find in the text that it says they still did not want to repent of their witchcraft and thievery and murder and immorality. And they will be killed. The third group are, I like the term Mike Bickle uses, are the resistors. These guys are people that haven't taken the mark of the beast, yet they also haven't turned to Jesus. I like to think of these guys as in, you know, the apocalyptic movies that we see. <laughs> Everyone thinks they're crazy, but when everything breaks out, you're going in their trailer and drinking their water. <laughs> um, these are a similar thing as, uh, is during the Holocaust, there were numerous people in Germany that hated Hitler. They weren't Christian. They resisted this prototype of the Antichrist, which is what Hitler was. A um, number of people have been throughout history. But uh, they, they resisted him, and they didn't, but they didn't align with him. They didn't align with Jesus either. Um, 
And they will witness all of these events. They will witness the the judgments being poured out. They'll witness Jesus. Every eye will see and they'll see all of their believing friends get raptured. It is going to be like a thousand years of therapy (laughs) for these guys. (laughs) If you're a counselor by profession, you've got a good job for the next (laughs) thousand years at least. So, those are the people that will be alive on the earth at this time. What we just read, we saw that Satan is at the beginning of this 1,000-year period. Satan's going to be bound for 1,000 years. We'll see further as you read the text. I'm going to let you read it on your own. But the resurrected saints are going to be given leadership over the earth. And then at the end of the 1,000 years, Satan will be released from prison one more time to wreak one last havoc and warfare against God and his people. So, first part of the millennium, Satan is cast into a prison. And as we read, this, friends, this is going to be a dramatic event. An angel is coming down from heaven to grab this guy by the throat and put a chain, and it, it will lay hold of him, it will bind him, It will cast him into a pit. It will shut him out. And a seal will be set on him. And he will not be able to deceive the nations at all for a thousand years. It's pretty epic. (laughs) How many know that Satan is still deceiving the nations right now? This event has not yet happened. But it will. And during this time, right before the return of Jesus, the Antichrist has gotten so many nations to align with him, 10 primarily, but he'll have influence all across the world. And, um, and even nations that didn't align with him originally, it says that right before the end time war, they're going to come, the kings of the east will come and show up at this battle at Jerusalem, and they will join with the Antichrist. But all of them are going to be killed. So what do you do with multitudes of nations that have no government, that have no leaders? You set new ones in place. And that's where the saints come in. The saints will be given administrative authority over the governments of the earth. Some of you will be put in office over America. Some of you will be asked to lead the nation of China. Chuck? <laughs> you get China. Who wants India? I mean, I think <laughs> Jesus will sort that out. He'll say, okay, here we go. And he will. It will be a process. Um, I imagine it very literally. I imagine a whole room of people sitting down and Jesus is saying, okay, guys, here are the nations that need leaders. You, 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 you. We're setting this thing in place. And guys, this is going to be real. Um, There will be, Jesus will rule his worldwide kingdom in partnership with two kinds of kings. Because there will be the resurrected saints. And there will be the newly converted. These resistors. And they will not have resurrected bodies. 
We'll get more into that in a moment. But we will reign with judicial responsibility and authority. Jesus told his disciples, I bestow on you a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. So the first reason he gives us a kingdom is to eat and have a party, which I think is awesome. (laughs) And sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Paul says the saints will judge the world. We'll even judge angels. Some of those demons that have been tormenting you and your family for generations, you will judge and sentence. So, and this will be a 1,000 year period. At the end, and I do want to read this, Revelation 20, verse 7. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations, which are on the four cor- in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breath of the, of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived, deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beasts and false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So Satan is bound, sealed, shut up, can't deceive the nations anymore for a thousand-year period. Then at the very end of this period, Satan is coming out of that prison, and he will gather people that are as numerous as the sand of the sea for one more war. And they will march on Jerusalem once again. But the war of Revelation 19 we saw, it's going to be a lot faster. (laughs) Fire will come down from heaven and God will devour these enemies in a moment. Why is Satan being released from prison? Why would God let out this serpent of old who's finally done deceiving the nations? And he lets them out one more time. Why would he do that? God is showing us that Satan is incurably evil. Friends, there is no redemption for Satan. He hates you. He will always hate you. And he will do everything in his power to make your life miserable. You've given authority. Been given authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the evil one. But friends, he will not be rehabilitated. He will not be changed. He is incurably evil. He has made his decision. He is set and his judgment has been made sure. Also, the depth of human sin. Friends, during this 1,000 year period, life and blessing is going to be released across the earth in, in, in numerous amounts of ways. And, and people will grow up 
and in an environment that is under the leadership of Jesus. They will grow up in an environment where there is actually lasting truth and justice. Truth and justice will be in the schools. Truth and justice will be in our government, in our legislation. Truth and justice will be in the family life. People will be, grow, people will be in, the, in the ideal environment to experience God and to be in relationship with him. But there are some who will still reject him. You know, sometimes we get this humanistic sentiment towards people. And, 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 and people get this idea of God is that he's an unjust judge. And they try to tell God, they blame their decisions on their circumstances. Well, God, I would have been a better person if I didn't grow up in such a horrible home. Well, God, I would have been a better Christian had I not been so hurt by that church. Well, God, I would have been a better Christian had you given me more money. Well, God, I would have been a better person if this. I would have been a better person if that. I would have been this. I would have been that. God, he's showing us even in an ideal environment, people will reject him. Jesus judges with utmost compassion. And he does not judge us based on what has happened to us. Every horrible thing, every way Satan has tried to destroy your life, God's not going to judge you because that thing happened to you. He will judge you based on your response. And it breaks the heart of God to see you suffer. And he wants to intervene but you have to come to him. The world has to come to Jesus if they want life, if they want restoration. And some, even in the most ideal environments, will reject him. You know, I've really wrestled with this. I wrestle with this when I read the Gospels. Because I want to see signs and wonders break out like history has never seen. And I believe it will cause multitudes to run to Jesus. However, I am painfully aware of the fact that Jesus was performing incredible signs and wonders in numerous towns and entire villages and cities collectively rejected him. And he told them, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the signs that you see, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. Therefore, you will be brought lower than Hades. Or low to Hades. You know, I think what boils down to is that people, at the end of the day, they believe what they want to believe. And I believe we should still press in for signs and wonders. 
I believe we should continue to preach the gospel. I believe we should continue to lay hands on the sick and keep going and keep going. I believe we should grow intellectually and demonstrate the mind of God and, and, and convince people of the rationality of Christianity. God wants us to love him with our mind as well as our heart. We need to do these things. And, and these will help people convert. But some people, because they love unrighteousness and they take pleasure in wickedness, their minds will be seared as with a hot iron. And they will not receive the love of the truth. And they will, in fact, put teachers and leaders, people of influence and power, to tell them what they want to hear. And it's happening today. God hates it. So. That's the good news, Matthew. The good news is Jesus is giving people the ideal opportunity to know him. And so many people will actually come to Jesus in this millennium. Because what's going to be happening is these resistors, they haven't received resurrected bodies. They're actually going to continue to procreate. They will continue to populate the earth. And their children will be born. And their children will have to make Jesus their Lord. And their children's children. And they will have so many opportunities. And so many people will come into the kingdom as a result. I, I just believe this. I can't point out a scripture to you, but I just believe this, maybe just because I want to. And at the end of the day, people believe what they want. Um, <laughs> I believe that God is going to gather in so many people that there will be more people in his kingdom than there will be in hell. You can agree or disagree. But he is gathering a great harvest, I guarantee you that. And his wedding banquet will be full. That is for sure. Okay, so after this, Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to, its, to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, in case we forgot, he's receiving this revelation, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepares a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. At the end of this millennium, there will be a final judgment. Death and Hades will give up their dead, and each man will be judged according to his works. And those who are not found written in the book of life will be cast into a lake of fire. But friends, this is about a city coming down, a holy city, for God to enjoy his people forever. No death, no crying, no pain. I have to say this. David Pawson says it. When, he does, when John is describing the things he doesn't see, <laughs> Pawson throws this in from another passage in Scripture, but he says, No sin, no sea, and no sex. I love the ocean. (laughs) Not all that y'all love. (laughs) Um, I'll let you do that. Jesus says at the end, we will not be married or given in marriage, but be like the angels in heaven. Anyway, I just like, I just wanted to see everyone's reaction. It was really for my sake. Um, (laughs) But it's in the Bible. (laughs) Um, There also be no sickness. There also be no more sadness. That's good. That's good. Um, There will be a river of life pouring out of the throne of God. I think this is going to be a big old river, by the way. Um, This city is going to be a mountain city. It's going to be the highest mountain in the earth. Right now, Mount Everest, how tall? Someone tell me, like a mile high? How much? 29,000 feet. Six miles. Six times bigger than I thought. Friends, this city is going to be, it says Jerusalem will be the chief of the mountains. Now, I believe that's saying that it will be the most important one. But I believe it will also be the highest one. Because John sees this coming down on a great mountain. And this city will be nearly 1,500 miles high, wide, and long. The walls of this city will extend beyond the earth's atmosphere. All the aliens in Mars will be able to see our city. The walls of this city will be 200 feet thick. No one's going through those walls. <laughs> and they'll be adorned with gemstones. All the colors you can imagine and, I, and, and, and beyond. I love hearing testimonies of people that have gone, they've seen this city, or they've seen glimpses, and, and, and people have described colors that they had never even seen before. Friends, there are sounds right now that the human ear cannot hear. 
but we're getting a resurrected body. And I believe we will hear tones, we will see colors, and we will feel things that we had never experienced before. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm excited. This city, it will have a river, it will have a tree of life. The leaves of this tree will be for the healing of the nations. And, and it's, read through it, meditate on this. It will fuel you in, in, your, in your prayer life and in your, in your obedience to Jesus. Um, we see a number of things. We see, um, um, but it's, it's all being restored over a process of this 1,000-year period. Because what God's doing during, right now, he is preparing his people for the return of Jesus. And then Jesus is preparing the earth for a thousand years for the Father. And the tabernacle of God will be with men. Okay. I could keep talking about this, but I'm going to wrap it up and open up for questions. Um, but I, I'll end with this. How, how, why is this important again? How are we supposed to live in light of this? It's kind of cool things to think about. Some it's very new. Some of you are like, ah, I've never heard that before. I don't know. Search it out. Um, but how shall we live? Well, our, our position, Jesus has positions for you in the next age. He has responsibilities for you. Some of you are called to dance. And you will be dancing <laughs> for a thousand years. There will be music concerts set up all across the earth. There will be schools. Some of you are teachers. You might be teaching in a new school that is built in Azerbaijan. That's actually a country. I didn't know until I met Vince. <laughs> So it's a real, it's on the map. Um, but um, there, will be, uh, there will be police officers. There will be, um, there will be homemakers. There will be nannies. There will be um, there are things that you do, things that you love to do right now that make everything about your life dynamic and fun, the things that you're passionate about. These things will carry on in the next age. And there will be certain levels of responsibility entrusted to people who are faithful with what they're given today. Our faithfulness with what God gives us today will determine our function in his kingdom in the age to come. And it will even affect the way we relate to the Lord and the depth that we relate to the Lord. Grow in intimacy now. Grow in love now. Grow in obedience now. Because God's desire is to give you more and to bless you with more and to enjoy you more. Amen. Okay. I guess we should pray. Let's pray quick. I mean, that seems like the right thing to do. House of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the kingdom that is coming. 
I pray, God, that you would open our eyes even more. Lord, give us wisdom, give us understanding, and I pray for the grace to walk in full love and obedience. That, Lord, we would be so overwhelmed by your love that it would pour out back in love to you and to our neighbor. And, Lord, you would give us vision for the fullness of God. And that, Lord, you would prepare us for the day that we get to meet our King. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I have candy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You shouldn't give this to me. I might eat it. Can I have a helper? Who wants to help me? <laughs> yes. So, we have another microphone. And um, can you hear me? Good. Um, and so, two, I just want to, Vince, if any of these questions, you want to add something, um, okay. <laughs> please do. And, um, and leadership, if you guys have something to add to this. And, and I'd actually, even Marvin, I really, this guy, <laughs> love this man. He, he knows his stuff on this. So, um, but yeah, first question. My first question is, can you give uh, specific verses that back up the fact that there will be resistors from the Old Testament? Oh, the fact that there will be resistors from the Old Testament. Okay, let me pull up these scripture verses. That's a very good question. Oh, now my password's gone. My name is your password? That's no. weird. <laughs> Candy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the conditions of life that are described in, um, in Isaiah, they talk about human life continuing to extend. They mention that people are going to continue dying. Where does it go? This has my, been my day of electronics. <laughs> Zechariah 8 is a really important passage um, for life in the millennium, as is um, Isaiah 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, and 66. <laughs> I'm trying to give you the exact ones, but... Um, um, they talk about the rebuilding um, during that time. They talk about um, children playing in the streets. They talk about people, anyone that dies during that, after Jesus comes into Jerusalem, that it will be considered um, a, uh, it'll be considered a, um, to have died young. Also in Revelation 20, it talks about the first resurrection. It talks about the saints so that we have already been resurrected, and the second death cannot hurt us. I don't feel like I'm satisfying your question. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to add on that? Okay. Zechariah 8, Isaiah 60. Next question. Also, I want to mention, too, with that, that um, in Zechariah 12 through 14, that's a really key passage. Um, Zechariah 12 through 14 talks about 
after Jesus returns that the Feast of Tabernacles is going to be celebrated and that the nations that don't come and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles get no rain. So there are nations that still will have the option to obey or not obey Jesus. Heather, you get a piece of candy, Vince, by the way. He, he took his candy. Uh... Just to add to that, I would think that, I mean, you talked about the resurrection. I would think that if um, it was only saints who have been, uh, who have received a resurrected body, I would think that they could not, therefore, be deceived when Satan is let out. So there's got to be people who, anyway. No, that's Um, good. And that's really what I should have said. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Okay, so Revelation 20, and it says, In verse 4, at the end of it, And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is Mm -hmm. the first resurrection. I'm not exactly sure how to ask this, but, like, is there a second resurrection? Is there um, something before the first resurrection? Mm -hmm. Is the rapture considered a resurrection? I mean, like, uh, why would it say that, you know, after the, um, after, okay, yeah, the rest of the dead did not live until... After the thousand years, why would that be a first resurrection if the saints had been raptured? No, that's a really good question. And I want to really emphasize what she just said, too. In Revelation 20, it does say at the end of the millennium, there will still be people on the earth that are deceived. So that tells us that there are those still alive on the earth. That's the point she was she was making. That's really the key passage that tells you there's still people that that have not received their resurrected bodies. Revelation 20 tells us that those who take part in the first resurrection have no fear and no, the second death has no power over them. Okay? So there will be a resurrection at the beginning of the millennium, at the rapture. When Jesus comes, he will gather his saints, and we will receive our resurrected bodies and start receiving our eternal rewards. At the, after the 1,000-year period, there will be a second resurrection. So during this entire time, as it says, that the rest of the dead did not rise until that end. But after Satan is, is released and defeated one last time, those that were um, unbelievers that um, have gone down to what the Bible calls Hades, death, they will rise and they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So the um, theological terms, Marvin, you can... <laughs> Correct me if I get this wrong, but the but the um, what's known as this first resurrection is also called the bema seat judgment. It is it is the bema, the bema in the Greek. Um, we receive our resurrected bodies, we receive our eternal rewards, but yes, the rest of the dead are not resurrected till after. You have one. There's one here. Was there another one there? Oh. Um, doesn't it also say that um, those that were beheaded are part of the first resurrection? It mentions in Revelation 20, um, it highlights a group. Um, I, it, I do not believe it's talking just about those. Let's look at that real quick. Verse 4. Verse 4, I saw thrones and they sat on them. They are the saints. And judgment was committed to them, the saints. Then... I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark, and, um, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So, so Jesus is highlighting within all of the saints, he's highlighting a particular group that are alive during all of this and that are, that are killed. Um, so it's actually 
the reason Jesus is giving this information is to give fuel for those of us who are going to die. We will rise and reign with Christ. Wilson. Yeah, I have a question regarding the, uh, the city that's yes. going to fall on earth. I was wondering, um, and correct me if I'm uh, mistaken, uh, it's going to be like all colors and I don't know how many feet it's going to be thick. Does it resemble that it's going to be unbroken and it's going to be uh, that, I mean, it's going to be like there's a lot of wealth that's going to break all the wealth of the earth? That's my first question. I have another one. Okay. Okay, yes. Um, the, uh, the nations are actually going to bring their wealth into the city of Jerusalem. Now, the, this heavenly city that's coming down, it will be, it'll have physical attributes to it. Um, but uh, the, over the process of the 1,000 years, the, the nations will come on a regular basis and give special offerings of, 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 of their resources, including money, including precious stones, um, and bring it into Jerusalem. But why do you think it, it's made of pearl and all those expensive uh, gems, gems or yeah. gold, lots of gold and diamonds? Yeah, no, that's good. Why do you think it's made I mean, like that? No, that's a good question. Um, some have looked at this and like, why so extravagant? Um, because we, we have an extravagant God. And he really wants us to enjoy this. This is forever, guys. This is forever. And he might even like rearrange some of the stones once in a while. I don't know. <laughs> forever is a long time, you know. <laughs> is, that also, another, is that it? He's got another one, but I'm going to add to what you had to say. Okay, yeah. Um, also, this is what the city is made out of. It's being made right now. Jesus is making it. So it's the, it's like eternal things. It's not things from the earth. So it's, it's actually really cool. If you study it out and you like actually measure it out, it's an enormous city. Like it is so big. I wish I had uh, a map and I could show you what's in the back of my Bible. I drew it out. And the reason it says that there will be no sea is because when, when the new Jerusalem, which is like a diamond shape actually drops into the earth, it like, covers over a big chunk of the Mediterranean Sea. And so it's not like there's no sea. Oh, crap, there's no water anymore. It, it actually literally gets rid of the sea. Like, <laughs> the sea is covered up by, by the city, and it's enormous. Yeah. Uh, if it's, it's about the size, if Earth was the size of a um, tennis ball, it's about the size of, like, not a small dice, but, like, a large die. That's how big it is of a city. Say that yeah. again. The, the ratio is is a, a little a die to the size of a uh, tennis ball. Oh. It's huge. Yeah. We actually, my roommate, when I was at IHOP, we, we measured it out and conservatively figured out that everybody who gets saved, if you get equal amounts of space, you have enough size of, uh, of New Jersey and height of uh, Mount Everest. You could have, have Mount Everest inside of your area. Just your area, one person. That's crazy. If it was divided individually, I'm probably going to get a bigger spot than that. <laughs> and it's on a mountain. This city's on a mountain, guys. A great and high one. <laughs> get to live in the mountains. Uh, one last quick uh, question regarding the city. Um, I read in this uh, scripture that it says there's going to be like uh, 12 angels uh, guarding it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get that. Why there are angels I mean, guarding it, what, what are we uh, afraid of? 
that is a really good question. Thank you. That goes into another, a whole sermon I can teach on this. We've got time. Go ahead. But what's actually going to happen is that this city is going to descend to the earth in two stages. There will be a sort of descent of the new Jerusalem at the beginning of the millennium. And there will be a full descent at the end. And so what, what Wilson's referring to, John, he sees this happen. He sees the millennium. He sees the city coming down. And then an angel comes in. Remember our, our, our five chronological sections and then our five pauses. So John is seeing the glory of the city. And he's like, whoa, what's life going to be like for the saints in this city and during this time and during the millennium and everything? And, and the angel pauses the storyline and he shows them the city and he shows them what life is going to be like. And there are 12 gates set up over the city that are all made of pearl. And they will be guarded by angels. And it's very reminiscent of Eden when, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned that a, a giant cherubim with a sword that faced in every single direction was, uh, was guarding the tree of life. And so these angels are going to guard the city during the millennium from evil coming in. So there will be, so as it's, and this, this gets really interesting because, um, so as it's coming down, the saints are going to live there throughout the millennium, but we're going to work on the earth. <laughs> so it'll, <laughs> it, it will, it, it's, it's going, and friends, it's hard to, to kind of wrap our minds around. And, and the reason I believe this is, A, that reason right there. Because um, some will say that, no, 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 the new Jerusalem is not even on the scene until the end of the millennium. Um, I don't believe that because there will be angels stationed to make sure that no wickedness enters. And after, this, after the millennium, there's no wickedness to worry about. So they wouldn't need to be there. Also, it says that the tree of life will be in the city for the healing of the nations. So there will be people that will be gathering the, the leaves, I believe, and delivering them to the, to, the, um, to the nations of the earth to bring healing. And it also says that, um, that the, kings of, the nations of those who are saved will walk in its light. So. Charles. I feel real bouncy today. I have a question about <laughs> um, from Revelation 21. Okay. Nine percent battery life on my phone. Hurry up, Chuck. Um, I guess my question is like, how synonymous are like the people of God and the city of God? Mm-hmm. Um, because in, it says, "Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We're made out of the dust of the earth." Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like get too super um, symbolic, but right, it, we are made out of the dust of the earth. So, anyway, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. And I saw uh, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, we are the city set on a hill also. I guess I'm just talking about that because then it says, you know, uh, coming down out of heaven, made ready as a bride. Mm-hmm. So my question is, if I'm interpreting it based on what I already know, we are the bride of Christ. How synonymous are we as like the body? Obviously, later on, it talks about a mountain coming down. But like in this verse, it makes it sound like it's talking about mankind mm-hmm. or at least mankind who is existent in kingdom realm at that point not living on the earth you know what i'm saying because it says then it says and i heard so it's saying i saw the city adorned as a bride and then it kind of answers that question because it goes and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the 
tabernacle. It's like the angels looking at what it's saying and saying, look, there's a tabernacle of God uh-huh. dwelling among men. Right. So that's my question. So his question is, for, for those of you who didn't, is not, isn't the, the city of God, isn't that the people of God? And what I would say is, if I told you that the city of Dallas was coming together against uh, breast cancer, you wouldn't think, whoa, the buildings are, like, uprooting and they're going to, like, have a little function about, <laughs> about breast cancer. We're gonna, okay, buildings have a thing for that. No, you would think that the people of Dallas. And so that city means nothing if it's not filled with the saints. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you are correct. Yeah. But it's a real city. Yeah, and that's good. You know, and Jesus says he's, you know, he, he weeps over the city of Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. Now, he's, he's, he's not talking about the structures in the city. He's talking about the people. Um, so all throughout Scripture, we see the city of, and the people of God. Or they turned it down. The reason that I think that's cool mm-hmm. is because it kind of answers his question about, like, why all the precious stones and all the, the waste. Yeah. It's because if there's, a simil- if, there's like a sin- if there's something that's synonymous about it, like, that's how the Lord sees us, like as his people. Like he that's sees good. us as a mighty mountain. He sees us literally as the city set on the hill. You know what I mean? No, that's does, really does that good. sense? Like there's like we could look at the city and be like just as like the earth and all of its glory represents God, Jerusalem and all of its glory is like an – you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like the way that he gives us glory. That's good. Last week you talked about that some people believe that the pre-rapture um, and some people believe in post-rapture. What is reason for believe like you? What you were saying, you believe the, the post, right? Right. So, what is your reason or the foundation for believing in the post? Now that's a great question. Um, so, again, I believe that we are going to be raptured after the trouble hits, not before. So that would put me in the group of post-tribulation. Um, and then there's pre-tribulation, people that believe that the saints are going to get taken up before. Um, now, there is no verse anywhere in Scripture that clearly, directly states that we'll be taken away and caught up before the trouble hits. There's just not. There are a lot of verses that, if they're read in a certain way, could seem to say that. There's a verse that says um, in Luke 21, I believe it is, or Luke 17, one of the two, um, that there will be two in the field and one will be taken and one will be left. And so people have taken that verse to say, okay, one's going to be taken, one's going to be raptured, the other one's going to be left, and that poor soul's going to have to endure all the trouble. Um, but when the disciples ask Jesus, where, where is that, where are they being taken? He says, where the corpse is, the vultures will gather. So really in the context of that verse, taken is not a good thing. And to me, it's very reminiscent of what we read in Revelation 19, where the birds are filled with the flesh of the kings of the earth. Um, There are, I like to say it like this, this is, I believe in two raptures. (laughs) There's the rapture of the saints, the gathering of the saints, and there's the gathering of the Antichrist worshipers. 
The gathering of the saints happens in heaven. The gathering of the Antichrist worshipers happens at the Battle of Jerusalem. Um, and Revelation 14 talks about um, a sickle gathering the people of God and then a sickle gathering um, the people that are not of God. Anyway, that is not really answering your question. But there is a verse. Um, there, there, there's another verse in Revelation 7 when it talks about the people of God being sealed. And they see the multitudes from all of the nations um, standing before the throne. And, and, and what it seems to say in our, in, our, um, in our English translations is that these are those who come out of the great tribulation. And some have read that in a way that says these are those that come out before it all happens. Um, and, and Marvin, our, our Greek scholar, could <laughs> probably give you a better. But another rendering of that um, would be those that come out of the midst of. Like, these are those that come out of that mess. Not that they were taken away before it, but that they were pulled through it. And so even, even if someone that says, well, that verse says, it could say this, it could, it's based on inference. It's based on it could, it might, it seems to say this. Um, there, are, there, there are a number of other verses. I could do a whole session on this, but um, really what it boils down to for me, there is no verse that clearly states that the gathering of the saints will happen before the trouble. But there is a verse that clearly, directly states that the gathering of the saints and that the coming of Jesus will happen after the trouble. Matthew 24, verse 29 to 31 says, Then after the tribulation of those days, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. The angels will um, go out to the four winds of heaven. They will gather the elect. So that's my primary basis. Also, the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture was not very popular before the 19th century at all. Um, it was promoted primarily by a guy named John Nelson Darby um, from the Brethren Movement. He um, and C.I. Schofield had a friendship and a conversation, and C.I. Schofield was convinced of this as well. C.I. Schofield began to include his interpretive notes in his study Bible, and so it spread in that way as well. Across in CI, that, that study Bible was a very, very popular um, translation. Um, so people would see it in, in the interpretation notes. And then, of course, it's just become a very popularized Western, left behind some seminaries. Dallas Theological Seminary has very much promoted that idea. And so it's really, um, it's more of a, a popular idea in our, in very, very recent times. So that's another reason why I also hold. If you read through the church fathers, they, 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 it's from what I read from them, it sounds like we're going to be here for the trouble. My question is very similar. Okay. I was talking about this, and Revelation 3.10 was given as the rebuttal. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I've not studied revelation as much as you have so i was at a loss <laughs> okay revelation 310 jesus is talking to the church in philadelphia and he says because you have kept my commandments command to persevere i will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth um first of all jesus he's talking to first century churches 
Okay, now he makes some allusions when he's saying, I'm going to test those who dwell on the whole earth. But we have to really read these seven churches in context that these are actual churches. He only says it to one of them, by the way. <laughs> so what about the other six? That's the first of all question. But, um, but a, another rendering of that is I will keep you not from, as in I'll take you away from. Again, it doesn't say I'll take you away. When it says I'll keep you, there is a sense of Jesus even telling his disciples right before they die, in this world you will have tribulation, but do not be afraid because I have overcome the world. There is a keeping in the midst of trouble that we see consistent all throughout, throughout Scripture. Zephaniah, another example, is, is he seeing this disaster come in um, that my mind just blanked. Zephaniah 3, but um, no, not 17. I just lost my thoughts, so never mind. But anyway, to say that again, you can, you can look at that verse and says, this does not directly say we'll be raptured and gathered after. In Matthew 24, 29 to 31, I just hit on that hard because it is so abundantly clear. After the tribulation, and it describes the events after, which includes gathering the elect. So that's what I would say. <laughs> okay, let's do a couple more. Yeah, yeah my question is uh, in Revelation 20, it says the angel of the Lord came down and binded the devil mm-hmm. in verse uh, 20, verse 10, and he was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And then I scroll down to Revelation 20, 14, and, uh, man, this is just astonishing to me. It says, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This mm-hmm. is the second death. This was in the middle of this. It has um, the people of God, which, if their names weren't written in the book of life, were cast into the lake of fire. And uh, I just, I just, um, who is death and Hades? Who is death and Hades? Vince is dying to answer this question. <laughs> I get well, I've been first. studying this lately. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, we actually see that also in Revelation 6. In the fourth seal judgment, that the, um, this pale ashen horse is released and that death and Hades are following behind him. So, um, and then it, uh, Isaiah and then in 1 Corinthians refers to Death and Hades is a sort of, it personifies them as a sort of principality. Um, so I, um, you can kind of take this or leave this. I believe that it is personifying them because they have, because they're actual principalities that rule over those areas um, and, that, uh, and that will be thrown into the lake of fire. It's somewhat of an anthropomorphism, but it's also like, you guys know what that means? Like making something... Seem like a human. Seem like a being that's not a being. Um, but it, it, the picture is that death and hell are destroyed. Like, they exist no more. Marvin? <laughs> okay. Uh, one thing about Revelation, I think that sometimes people overlook and that you really kind of have to understand to really get it, is he is seeing a vision. All right? So he... I'm sure there's some of the stuff that he's getting pretty much the straight dope on, but mm-hmm. it's like a dream, right? It's vision. So there's some of the stuff that he sees, mm-hmm. 
that isn't necessarily what you're going to see, you know, if you're – so, I mean, he sees this dragon. You know, he sees this, this beast with these heads. Mm-hmm. And this, this is, you know, when you go to the historical fulfillment of that, I don't think you're going to see a beast with a head. So are you going to see a real entity that is a personification of death or Hades? I don't know. But he does in the dream, right? <laughs> so he sees he sees some entity in this vision, I guess, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, anyway, that's what I would say. No, that's good. good yeah he's totally wiping away the power of death forever that's really good one more it's yeah did anyone else have one no double dipping come on somebody ask a really weird question that's what i'm talking about We need it for the we need no, it for the uh, recording. <laughs> test 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 bagels biscuits bacon test test. Go for it, Marcus. So, you said that the twelve tribes will be judged by who? Did you say us? The question's for you. <laughs> Just, I like to give people time because sometimes a question behind their question is really what's... No, no, that's, that's um, it for um, the moment. Yeah, Jesus, he's talking to his followers at that time in that passage in Luke. He's saying, um, you will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, how that will be... Um, in fact, Vince, if you, you might know the context better than I do um, as far as if he's talking to the, the 12 at that moment or, or just his followers in general because... Uh, Sometimes when you're reading the Gospels, it'll just say disciples, um, and you don't know if he's talking about the 12 or, or more. But we will be given different realms of, of, uh, of authority, as we see in Revelation 20, that will reign with Christ. So. So. And our judging of these 12 tribes. Mm-hmm. So they're waiting for this to happen. So they're up there mm-hmm. biting their nails, and they're nervous. Oh, my God, all these humans are coming from Earth, and they're going to judge us? What are they going to do? No, no, no. Well, think about it in the book of Judges. You had judges, and and it and we think of judgment as like, okay, I'm gonna send you to hell. Like, no, <laughs> judgment is rendering decisions. It's it's deciding right and wrong, administering justice and mercy. And so there will be people when it's saying you'll judge the twelve tribes of Israel. He's saying you are going to administer and administrate um, and organize different um, legislative, but also programmatic things in the earth because there will be things. For these, the cities need to be rebuilt. You know, Jesus is going to put people in charge to organize the restructuring of, I was going to say Dallas, so Fort Worth, because Dallas is going to be preserved. Um, Fort Worth too, Lord, in Jesus' name. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so if I may, if I may, uh-huh. so judgment in transliteration would be the things you mentioned, administration, setting things in place, setting up governments bringing order, right. correct or no? Yes, definitely. 
It includes a very, think of, again, read through the book of Judges. Look at what these guys did. That's what the saints will be doing forever. And so they had legislative things. They rendered, they, they settled disputes. Um, they settled guilty, not guilty. But they also made decisions um, on behalf of the community. Okay. How to clean up the mess. If any of you are in like the water cleaning business, you've got a big job to do for a thousand years. So we're going to turn to blood. So um. I've, I've got some. Uh, <laughs> That's okay, thank intense. you for that. I've got other weird questions in private for you, which we can laugh over. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, we're going to close tonight. Um, and if you would like some prayer, you're welcome to come up. But um, I really want to encourage you to join me on Revelation Fridays. Um, let this be the beginning into your journey of Revelation. And, um, and, and there are the videos that will be up there on the Storehouse Dallas website. Um, you don't have to decide right this moment, but I just want to see a show of hands of those that have, that have decided already. Like, hey, I've, I've really decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this. I'm going to go with this. Um, who, who wants a Revelation study guide? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Hand this to Daisy. <laughs> I want this one to go to Becca back here. I want a man. <laughs> no, I saw Bob. <laughs> oh, I just stepped on a chocolate that hasn't been opened. <laughs> Okay, there are more available in the cafe. You can buy them for 10 bucks. You can get them on an app. Um, please get this book. It will be very helpful. God bless you. Amen.